Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night from wherever you are in the world. <laughs> Greetings and salutations. This is the Right on Track podcast. I'll go to sleep then. <laughs> you don't really want to begin a podcast with good night, everybody. <laughs> it's a Bye. Very Thank you podcast. for joining us. <laughs> you will listen to this podcast as you sleep. I know. And just have all this knowledge about Thomas the Tank Engine in your head. And our thick Australian accents. You'd have some very weird dreams that night, I tell you. <laughs> I'm Connor Jonas, but I'm not joined alone. I'm joined by... Tom Parry and... and Tom Denham. <laughs> I know, it is a wonderful show we've got in store today. This is episode 18 of season three, where we're covering season three. And so, so, so it's episode 18 overall, yes. and it's the second episode of season three. Yes. Yes. And we're covering series three yes. of four episodes today, and they mm-hmm. are... The four episodes we're covering today, Connor, are Gordon and the Famous Visitor, Donald Stark, Thomas Gets Bumped, and Thomas, Percy, and the Dragon. Interesting. Yes, we've got a very interesting mix of episodes here. It is. Thank you for your involvement there, one word, Denim. (laughs) Thank you, yeah, yeah. It's it's what I could muster, and I thought, I'm just going to be provocative and say one thing. Okay, (laughs) vamp, vamp. But our first episode today, as you said, Perry, is Gordon and the Famous Visitor. Indeed. So let's move on to it. I haven't actually sorted out the clip yet. This is... (laughs) (laughs) This is going to take a lot of editing. I'm so sorry. It was an important day in the yard. Everyone was busy and excited, making notes and taking photographs. A special visitor had arrived and was now the centre of attention. Who's that? whispered Thomas to Duck. That, said Duck proudly, is a celebrity. A what? asked Percy. A celebrity is a very famous engine, replied Duck. Driver says we can talk to him soon. Oh, said Thomas, he's probably too famous to even notice us. Just then, Gordon arrived. Pah, said Gordon. Who cares? A lot of fuss about nothing, if you ask me. And he steamed away. Can I say, one of the best sequences in the model series, am I right? Absolutely, yes. I'll be agreeing with you there. Now, the celebrity the engines are witnessing is the city of Truro, who is a tender engine who comes from Duck's part of the world. Yes, the Great Great Western Railway. You beat me to it. Uh, He is a real engine who apparently went 100 miles per hour before the Flying Scotsman, who, Mm. of course, is Gordon's brother. Yes. So it's a bit of an interesting um, conversation there on who went first, Great Western Railway or the LNER. The London North East Railway. Yes. That's what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, like, City of Truro, real engine, he's come to visit Island of Sodor. And doesn't have a face. He doesn't have a face. Although we never see his smoke box. Mm. No, we do. We do. We, do. we very briefly see the front of it. Yeah. There you go. Mm. Yeah. Um, only... which is, which, and this brings up this really interesting debate because even though he doesn't have a face, the engines are talking to him later on. Yes, and, and he talks to them. He talks back. How? Through Morse code? I mean, what, what happens there? Through, um, you know, the winches that hold the smoke box together. He mm. just kind of fizzes through. He goes... <laughs> <laughs> Just like <laughs> no, it, it's interesting you bring that up. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about 
what makes a engine have a face and where it is. So, say for example, is it on the boiler? Well, in that case, Spencer, his face would be inside of him because his streamlining is all external. Um, so then it is where they can see. But then City of Truro, the only place he ever has a face is in magazine stories. Mm. So it's an interesting kind of situation. I believe that Lady is responsible for making all the engines alive. Right. Her... Uh, uh, th- is this your argument that Thomas and the Magic Railroad is canon? Yes. Oh. Blame, I'm blaming you already. Continue. <laughs> so Lady is responsible for what is alive and what is not. Hence why in the CGI series we see the arrival of Butch of Henrietta, of Big Mickey, all um, having faces applied only later on. Okay, but how do you explain this guy not having a face but talking? Lady doesn't know who they are. (laughs) Okay, so they can talk but they don't have a face. Hmm. Like, everyone can talk but they don't have a face. That's correct. Does this episode have a story by any chance? Uh, no, it's just us uh, ranting. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're so interested in this story, which we never talk about at all on this show, Parry, why don't you all enlighten us? Okay, then. Gordon yeah. and the Famous Visitor is based on the story Domeless Engines, which was originally in the railway series book Duck and the Diesel Engine, so it sort of served as a primer for the conflict between Duck and and the other engines, because mm-hmm. he was boasting about the fact he was Great Western. City of Truro instilled in him a sense of pride in his railway and in his origins. But, but we don't get any of that in this story, really. No, none. It's mm. interesting because a lot of Duck's dialogue in the original story in the adaptation version goes to Thomas, mm. and um, a lot of Duck's driver's dialogue goes to Duck. That That is very interesting indeed. So the main conflict we have here is between Gordon and the city of Truro. Off, off, this is off screen. Yeah, despite yeah. them never interacting. Yeah, he, he's just consumed with jealousy because here's this really old, really fast engine and he's more famous than Gordon is. And Gordon's like, hold on, I'm really fast. I can be famous. Yeah, you know? I, I can reach 100 miles per hour easily. <laughs> yes, it is. And as he attempts to do so, he loses his dome on the viaduct. Yes, <laughs> and that dome goes flying into the valley below, based on the real event, where an LNER K3, number 61809, for you train spotters out there, mm, um, yes. lost its dome in 1958. Mm. Uh, oh, so that was only a short time before the original story was published. Exactly. Mm. So, again, one of those things where probably in a newspaper article, that story was done, and mm. the Reverend wrote it. But... In this story here, there isn't much of a conversation between Duck and uh, Domeless. Uh, City of Truro. Yeah, City of Truro. That's the one. Gordon what, or Truro. What's more interesting is the fact that the conflict isn't really resolved. I mean, no. the end of the episode is just an unnamed voice saying, never trust domeless engines. Yes. They aren't respectable. It so- was bolder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we can assume it was Duck because yes. that's what Gordon said to Duck earlier in the episode. Yes. But I just love how in Thomas and Friends and the Railway series, how they never say who the voice is. They leave yeah. it up to the reader or the viewer to decide it's who it is. It's clever story writing. Mm. It is very well done. It's something that really comes to light in um, series three 
on like you start to get a pattern in the way the stories are written now. Mm. You, you have you know a bit of a story and then you know it ends with the vague comment like in cows. Yes. So it's it's a bit of a pattern, but there's really not that much to this episode. What no. I love at the beginning of this story, there's this beautiful sequence of the camera zooming in to the turntable. Yes. All the engines are there. You have all the um, auxiliary characters like Trevor and Booty there as well. Huge bunch of people. And then Gordon rolls up and he goes, why aren't I invited? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bunting. There's a lot of flags. And, you know, so many little model figurines. have had controllers there. There's lots of reporters and photographers in their trench coats. It's kind of like um, those sequences that we had in between episodes. So it's on the VHSs mm. um, where yes. uh, they had the name boards of each character and there'll be all yes. the people crowded around. I get those vibes from this. Mm. I do as well. And what's interesting is that the city of Truro is never actually named at all. We his, only see his nameplate on the side. We see his nameplate on the side and there's a big banner above him. Uh, Welcome to Landesodor, city of Truro, mm. numbers... <laughs> I love that number. Thank mm. you. Thank you. I memorised it. It's my favourite after infinity. <laughs> yeah. I call that sideways eight. Oh. But, yeah, it's really not that much to the story, apart from Gordon's jealous about an engine going faster than him. Um, and then he tries to go fast, loses his dome, and, and that's it. I disagree. Okay. Ooh. I think there is a beautiful build-up to this. There's the establishment that... Gordon is rivaled against this other engine because um, he w- went 100 miles an hour before He was his even kin. thought of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Gordon goes, well, that's it. I'm going to prove that I'm faster. Duck and Edward kind of have a little bit of a laugh about it. And then there's this build-up of Gordon going faster and faster and faster until his dome flies off. And he gets mocked by all the trucks at the station. Originally in the book, it was the passengers, but I love that they use mm. the trucks. And, like, I love a crowded station with all these different kinds of trucks here with all the faces. I'd actually prefer it was the passengers, to be honest, because the passengers are the people that Gordon is trying to impress, really? not the trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I also like that it's one of those stories where it doesn't necessarily need a happy ending. It's kind of like Percy and the Signal or one of those stories where the other engines have a bit of a... Bit of a chortle at um, someone else's, I guess, mishaps and embarrassments. Expense. And Gordon, especially here, gets mortified because he's had this coming. He's uh, been laughing at all the other engines um, quietly as yeah. they've all had accidents, Percy especially. Mm. Um, and this is kind of coming back on him for all the times that he's laughed at them. The, probably the only two times in the entire show so far that he's had a kind of embarrassing experience hmm. has been in James and the Coaches or A Proud Day for James um, where um, he goes on the wrong line and it must be instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he it's, did it again in Wrong Road. Yeah. He's also burst a safety valve. That's pretty embarrassing. And whistles and sneezes. Yes, jammed whistle. That's also very yep. embarrassing. And uh, he went into a ditch. He did. That's very, very embarrassing. But, but, but the only people there to see it were the schoolboys. That's true. Engines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I feel this one has had the greatest impact on him because all the others, it was sort of, he just said a comment that was sort of rude Mm. and then something bad happened to him. Whilst this time, apart from maybe, you know, um, when Gorn went down the ditch or sort of the pond in the Mm. TV series case, he, like, it is an action 
of himself that causes uh, this to occur、mm. when he's trying to go a hundred miles an hour. Very much so. And what's really interesting is we actually get a close-up model of. Um, him, where we see his dome fly off, and we see all the rivets. A larger scale dome. dome, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the sequences I really remember well watching as a child, just to see the dome popping off and yeah, crashing into the river below. And and also then on his normal model, we see him without a dome,、mm. which implies that he had a removable dome.、Mm-hmm. This is one of those stories I only saw a lot later because I never owned it on VHS.、Mm. Um, I only saw it for the first time on DVD or when it was on television.、Um, mm. So I only saw it on television as well. Yeah.、Mm. So, so whenever it came about in a repeat or something, it was always a, a special moment when you got to see、yeah. something that you didn't own.、Mm. And also, I've got an anecdote I would like to share about the original story, Dameless Engines. I remember going to a party where my friends and I had a bit too much、uh, red cordial. And、Maybe、I decided. I, yep, I decided. Professions. I decided to do some readings of the railway series, and one was of Domeless Engines. And one of the lines in there, in the TV show, it was Gordon was starting to feel a little strange, but in the original book, it's Gordon started to feel a little queer, and <laughs> you, you know, it just amused them to no end. That's great. Yes, hearing that line, but、That's、of course they've changed it for. The TV series, I imagine, because queer, it's a very old-fashioned word. It is、mm. very much on how the word gay used to mean happy. Yeah, I mean,、joyous. I mean, these days they have homosexual connotations,、yes. of course. But seriously, who uses those words in their like original form these days? Anyway, nobody. Yeah, me.、No. Do you really? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you you just wanted to be special. He Denim, just wanted to mess with us. Don't, don't, don't. I'm always meddling around with those meddling kids、mm. <laughs> and their crazy dog too. Those <laughs> ruddy signalmen. Anyway. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> honestly, but ratings for this episode, guys. Hmm. Because it it's like it's a good episode. It's a good story. Yeah. You、mm. know, it it feels almost. Narrow, if that makes sense. Okay, I will go for a seven out of ten. I a、reckon. seven. I'm going for a six. Okay. I, like I, I enjoy the opening scene, but that's probably the only uplifting thing ap- um of it, apart from you know when the dome flies off. All right then, denim. That leaves you. Hmm. Oh dear. <laughs> this has a lot of stuff I love in this episode. Okay. It has an epic build up. You get to see Gordon going at full speed. You get to see a one-off character and some awesome dialogue. That 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 that's true. You brought up how they made a model specifically for this episode, and only this episode. Yeah. yeah, I know. I tell you, I'm I'm going to move my six up to a seven. Oh, okay. Like, 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 like they 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 made a model just for what is in reality in reality a thirty second scene.、Mm. Like Edward says, he came through the station today, but we never see him come、mm. through the station. Yes. So, yeah. Anyways, continue. Ten out of ten. Wow! I beg your pardon. Yeah. Oh, okay, wasn't expecting that. I, I, I beg your pardon, sir. But、um, beg pardon, sir. Yes. Have no, you had too much red cordial? <laughs> no, it is、uh, highly regarded in my book. So、uh, I, I'm giving it a ten out of ten. Wow, that's the first ten of series three. It is, and we're only into the second episode. Yeah, it is my favorite season. So there may be more to come. Okay, radio. Shall we move on to our second story of the day? Yes, we shall. Okay, this one is called Donald's Duck. 
dark, the great Western engine worked hard in the yard at the big station. Sometimes he pulled coaches. Sometimes I, I, I he pushed he trucks, but jump. whatever the work, Duck got the I'll job done up. without fuss. <laughs> Let's just watch the episode. One day, Duck was resting in the shed when the fat controller arrived. Your work in the yard has been good. Would you like to have a branch line for your own? Oh, yes, please, sir, replied Duck. So Duck took charge of his new branch line. The responsibility delighted him. The line runs along the coast by sandy beaches till it meets a port where big ships come in. Duck enjoyed exploring every curve and corner of the line. Sea breezes swirled his smoke high into the air and his green paint glistened in the sunlight. This is just like being on holiday, he puffed. Well, you know what they say? laughed his driver. A change is as good as a rest. Soon Duck was busier than ever. The fat controller was building a new station at the port and Duck pushed the trucks wherever they were needed. Bertie looked after Duck's passengers, and the other engines helped too, but the work took a long time. Noise and dust filled the air. Don't worry, whistled Toby. The station's nearly finished. And on time too, said Duck, thankfully. Duck felt his responsibility deeply and talked endlessly about it. You don't understand, Donald, how much the Fat Controller relies on me. Ach, aye, muttered Donald sleepily. I'm Great Western and I... Quack, quack, quack. What? Ye heard. Quack, quack, you go. Sounds like you're an egg laid. Now wisht and let an engine sleep. Quack yourself, said Doc indignantly. Later, he spoke to his driver. Donald says I quack as if I'd laid an egg. Quack, do you, pondered his fireman. He whispered something to Duck and his driver. They were going to play a joke on Donald and pay him back for teasing Duck. The engines were busy for the rest of the day and nothing more was said. Not even a quack. Yes. Go what? quack yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're just marvelling at how well shot this episode is. Yeah. It's got so many amazing sequences. I mean, we get to see Duck's branch line for the first time. No. We we, we, we saw it in Percy's Promise. Well, okay. We get to see Duck travel along his own branch line for the first time. How yes. about that? Yes. Yes, much yeah. better. Okay. Continue. Okay, you might take on the role of Captain Pedantry from now on, I reckon. <laughs> If I'm the signalman, I think that's only fair. Yeah. But he's been Captain Pedantry. Okay. He's, he's been the James May of our Top Gear train yeah, show. You, you, you've been... I've been the Richard Hammond. You've been more pedantic than me this episode so yeah, far. Yeah, but just this episode so far. Uh, and I've been the Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yes. Uh, as you say, Duck going along his branch line. Beautiful yeah, so, shots. So we get to see Duck traverse his brand new branch line 
and he talks about the weight of responsibility that Donald. He accuses him of being a duck because he, a, a, a literally, you know, a, a bird. Quack, know. quack, 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 quack. You go, yeah. Oh god, this is the worst Scottish accent ever. I'm so sorry to all of our Scottish listeners. Um, you better be. Oh, what are we doing? <laughs> okay. Well, we're talking about talking train shows. Okay. This is an audio play now. <laughs> okay, so. Donald's duck, in its most basic form, there's a conflict between duck and Donald because duck's been just... Talking too much. Yeah, talking endlessly about his branch line and Donald is sick of it, so he accuses him of being a duck. So duck and his crew, in turn, play a trick on Donald by placing a duck into his tender. Yes. Mm. And then afterwards, Donald's got a duck, which, of course, is a... Uh, play on the Disney character Donald Duck. That was actually pretty good. Well uh, done. Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> uh, Donald Duck. Uh, Donald's duck. Um, and then, of course, at the end of the episode, they decide to place an egg behind Duck um, in a little makeshift nest, which the close-up of the nest actually uses a. A uh, truck from the show. Yeah, a lot happens in this episode, and we actually had real trouble deciding what clip to use. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, when we eventually release bloopers, I don't know if they may be released in this episode or <laughs> in our own we'll special have a blooper thing. reel at some point. Yeah, mm. yeah, we should. Um, what happens is that, you know, at, at, at the end there's the ducks at the end, and then mm. the uh, station master calls the duck Dilly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just all resolved. It's a little conflict where one punches one shoulder and the other one punches them back. Okay, so in this five-minute story, we've got Duck working at the station to working along his branch line to boasting about it to Donald to him playing a trick on Donald to Donald, in turn, playing a trick on him. Yes. That, That is... A lot to take in. But it, the story does it so well. It is. It's yeah. a similar symptom to um, Popper Goes to Diesel, where mm. Duck is boasting about his work endlessly and then something kind of shifts him. Very similar kind of uh, story structure here. Mm. But the difference is, in this particular instance, Donald and Duck, oh dear, have developed a rapport with each other. So yeah. it's like friendly banter in a way. Yeah, mm. whereas, whereas in... Pop goes to Diesel. It was more like you know there was aggressive, a, a bit of um, sinister undertone. Yeah, to it. but um, at the start of this episode, we start to see more of the pattern in the story writing appearing. So at the start of uh, Time for Trouble, we have the little narration about Gordon, and then we move into the story that results from him maybe needing a break. Uh, from this, we have the start narration of Duck and who he is. And then we move into the story of him getting own branch line, the story that results from that. And I feel that this is the you know, the start of the stories eventually getting that pattern that then eventually devolved into the three strike rule that followed in later seasons. Mm. Yeah. It's also worth noting this is the first episode in the television series where we've seen Donald and Donald alone. Yes. yes. Douglas is nowhere to be seen, which is really a break from the norm because in the railway series, of course, they're shown to be working independently. Mm. But in future episodes of the TV series, they are seen to always be working together. 
Yeah, mm. mo- most of the time. But in Series 3 and bit in Series 4, mm. they actually do have those isolated situations, mm. which makes sense because, you know, if you've got two, go- two goods engines, you're not going to always keep them on the same job. That's you're true. Gonna, they're going to move around the island taking trains. Mm. So mm. it's going to happen eventually. Um, but there are a few little things about this episode. One thing that always irked me as a child, which was they say they're building a station. They're not. They're building a shed, but... Which is attached to an already existing station. Yes. Oh, let it slide. Go quack yourself. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good quack. Thank you. Um, I made myself. (laughs) Um, But then a really good thing about it is the sound, the diegetic sound, non-diegetic, because as they're, you know, having that little scene of building the shed, you can hear, like, the crane cranking in the background Mm. and sound like crunching gravel. Such a brilliant little tight-packed scene. Mm. One of my favourites in the entire series. But I have got a question for you. Yes, Connor. Would Dilly the Duck have lived in the tender? Well, no, because there would be a lack of oxygen there, a lack of food. Yeah, like. Couldn't stay in there forever. Like, in all honesty, okay, what has happened is during the night, ducks drivers have kidnapped a duckling. Yes, it's a baby duck. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's Marvo's wondering where it is mm-hmm. and it's yes. impending uh, mass destruction on these humans. I know, I know. And then they've put the duckling in a sealed water container with no, like, land in it. Mm. Or light, for that matter. Or light. And they've closed the cap on it. And it said the next morning when Donald was filling up with water, which means that he's been in there all... Well, she's been in there all night by herself, they then open it, and then the duck's completely fine. I just, like, I like to think that, like, in the uncut version of the episode, this duck pops out and, like, tries to bite off one of the <laughs> driver's arms. Yeah. And, but um, it is... I, I absolutely love Dilly the Duckling, despite the fact that I don't think that she should be alive. Well, I think that the RSPCA would have something to say about and, this and, episode, and, and, for sure. And Peter and yeah. other... Animal activists, yeah. organisations. And general human beings, yeah. I guess. But I have questions too. Yeah, it's it's very, very weird. But one thing I like to feel about this episode is that Dilly has imprinted on Donald. So mm. um, those who don't know much about ducks... <laughs> not That's a ti- me. Yeah, yep. not a typical thing. Uh, if ducks are raised for a while by people, especially when they're young, um, they will imprint on them, and that will mean that they will believe that the human is their parent, their mother, and they themselves will believe that they're a duckling as well. Mm. Oh, not a duckling, a human as well. The duckling thinks it's human. Mm. Um, there's a very amusing post I saw where someone then goes... What if I'm just a duckling that thinks I'm a human? Mm. What if I'm a duckling with an overactive imagination? Mm. <laughs> and I like to feel that Dilly is the adopted daughter of Donald. Yeah, I love that too. It, it, it's just so good. But at the end of the story, we do see Dilly hop off at the station, the yep. new station, to join the station master. Yes, who then names her Dilly. Yeah, so the attachment wasn't that great. Yeah, but, like, I mean, considering a duck, well, a, a, 
a duckling because mm. saying a duck gets confusion when there's a character literally called duck. Right, it's so confusing. <laughs> Honestly, this show is, confuses me at times, mm. and more on that later. But with Dilly, I like to feel that she's just the adopted, you know, daughter of Donald. Um, the song Donald's Duck actually has, you know, she makes me so happy with the little ways. And then I, I just like to think that Douglas is then being the proud uncle. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look at her cute little waddle. That's uh. my girl. Oh, good on you, Dilly. I'm not doing another Scottish accent. You've got to do it one day. Okay. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, we got it. it. I like to think that in this day and age on Sodor, um, Dilly's still there, but she's very much like the goose in Untitled Goose Game. Um, <laughs> so, like, she's grown up, and when Donald, her She's parent, joined forces with the signalman. <laughs> yeah. When Donald, her parent, is not there, she's just wreaking havoc at the station, and then Donald comes back, and she's on her best behaviour. Yep. Actually, uh, there is a magazine story where Dilly goes missing for a few days and then comes back with a few ducklings of her own. Oh, young love. Oh. Explain that one to the children, why don't you? Um, Where did ducklings come from, mummy? Well, you well, see... When ducks love each other. Very when, much. when a Montagu loves each other. <laughs> um, but ratings for this episode, guys. Oh, it's got some beautiful shots, and as as you said, Parry, mm. a lot is compacted into a short amount. Mm. Mm. Yes, bearing all that in mind, oh, I think oh, gosh, I am going to be torn. Yeah, I am really torn. Okay, let's settle on a six point five. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to bump that up and say a nine. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm the, the, I'm I'm going to give it an eight. I knew it. Roll reversal again. <laughs> No, you see, that's why you were the pedantic one. Yes. But, um, like, I, I'm giving an eight because it's got those brilliant views. So much is compacted. It's brilliantly written. Mm. It's probably, like, one of the best, like, written stories of the show, I'd feel. And then it's given us a sort of side character, not even, that has become a staple. If someone says Dilly the Duck, mm. there's... We know a, who it is. Yeah, yeah, there's an 8% chance... And she's appeared in one episode, and her name is only ever mentioned once, and mm. she should probably be dead. That's not true. <laughs> Dilly lives on in all of us. Oh, this... As does the magic. <laughs> Contrary to the title of this podcast, I think this segment has really gone off the off rails. Track. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is a good time to go to our musical interlude. Mm, indeed. So before we cover the next two Thomas stories, we're going to hear a bit from Mavis M., who is a... Thomas and Friends instrumentalist, and they have here an instrumental cover of the song Donald's Duck. Thank you. 
an earworm that was. That was Donald Stark instrumental version by Mavis M, which is uh, foreshadowing uh, the episode that we just reviewed, Donald Stark. So far, we have reviewed Donald Stark and Gordon and the Famous Visitor. Gordon and the Famous Visitor. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. Coughing up some feathers there. Yeah, Mm. yeah. But um, now we're going to be moving on to our next episode, Parry. Yes, our next episode is called Thomas Gets Bumped. It's unique in the world of Thomas the Tank Engine for a number of reasons. Yeah. We'll get to those in a moment. But first, let's play a clip of the episode. To the next station. Where Bertie was waiting to take them home. When Thomas finished his journey, he was very late. He was worried that the fat controller might be cross with him. I warn Thomas, puffed Percy to James. He's been late one time too many. He'll be in trouble now. But next morning, the fat controller was nowhere to be seen. Thank goodness, sighed Thomas. Obviously, you couldn't see it there, listeners, because this is a podcast. Really? It's done through the years only. You have to imagine what it looks like or watch the episode you see. Yeah, so there's an empty Knapford station we see there as the... Empty and absent from the fan controller. Yes, Yes. as the little ditties are playing. So, yeah, it really conveys the sense of, you know, non-busyness, quietness, really, quite well. I, I would like to add... Uh, Thomas has got a, like a smile there when he leaves, which I feel it's probably the most well-known face mask for Series 3 for Thomas. Well, well for yeah. Thomas overall, really, yeah. because that very smile is used in a lot of the Australian DVDs. Yes. Mm. Very much so. So yeah. it, it's, you know, it, it's a good smile. It seems to encapsulate him well, but... It looks like a sigh of relief as well. Mm. Thomas gets bumped... Now, contrary to this title, Thomas does not actually get pushed, uh, abused or hit by anyone at all. It is, in fact, a metaphorical kind of bumping. Yes. So, in this episode, what happens is Thomas is enjoying his branch line and he always enjoys going by Dry or Good Station, where there are children there always to wave at him. Then, one day, as he's going along the line, some children... Uh, need to be picked up because their bus is broken down. So he picks them up, takes them to the next station where Birdie takes them. That was the clip we played. Mm. Uh, he's then late. Then the next day when the fat control is not around, he's gone off scot-free as he's going along the line. However, the heaters buckled to the rails, which causes him to be derailed. And then whilst his line is being repaired, Bertie takes all his jobs. Thomas needs to shunt in the yard. And he fears that he is being replaced by Bertie. Um and all his passengers will stay with Bertie. But then they are happy when he comes back. Mm. And the Fat Controller works out a way of merging their timetables, in a sense. So, so they can, can work better. Yes. What's interesting about the clip that we just played, when Thomas goes into the station and sees Percy and James, I only just noticed that James is pulling one express coach. Yes. Mm. Is it a special visitor, perhaps? Maybe. Maybe. There's it... a whole story there on yes. its own, yeah. Bootlace man. Yeah, Jeremiah Jobling. <laughs> yeah, he's back. <laughs> but it, it's 
quite a packed episode. It is quite a packed episode. In fact, it takes its inspiration from two magazine stories which yes. have been written by the future head writer of Thomas and Friends, Andrew Brenner. And former head writer after that. Mm-hmm. No because he, he's no longer the head writer no, anymore, we no. should say. this. We're recording this in November of 2019. Yes. So, and he's no longer part of the show. Yeah, hey, maybe he joins back in 2022 when uh, someone's listening to our podcast far in the future. It's possible, yes. But uh, the two magazine stories mm-hmm. uh, written by Andrew Brenner are Hello Thomas, which is where the kids getting picked up are from, mm. and A Bump in the Line, which is where the Thomas getting bumped on the line by the warped rails. Mm. It's interesting that uh, this story is uh, later foreshadowed. Mm. I've used that word a lot, this podcast. You have. It's a good word to use. It is. But uh, they used elements from this episode um, in a season 20 story called, um, I think it's called Bumpy Cars and Buckle Tracks. I, I, I've got no idea what you're on about, so continue. Okay. That sounds about right yeah. <laughs> to me. That they, they have this exact same thing happen to Thomas in this episode. Yeah. Was it an Andrew Brenner story? It was an Andrew Brenner story. How about that? Interesting. Mm, yeah. Now, um, what's actually really interesting is that we have covered... Well, we, we this show covers many different types of accidents. It covers... Uh, crashes, smashes, rescues, and runaways mm. throughout and the jam. whole thing. Yeah, and, and jam, and jam, and gold dust, and signalman. But <laughs> hey. we never, we rarely actually see natural um, occurrences happen. Mm. Like there may be a mudslide, there may be a rogue boulder, or a storm. Yeah, yeah or, or storm. a storm. But the sun warping the rails is something that. You know, it, it's not really expected, but for those who've seen images online, it happens quite often, it especially does. here in Australia. Yeah. There are some horrendous videos and images out there of train going over buckled tracks, and it moves like a foot either side of the rails due mm. to how buckled they are. Mm. In fact, in Victoria, the state where we record this very podcast, they have a heat wave policy. If it goes over 38 degrees, the express trains have to slow down. Yes. They have to travel at a slower speed. Yep. Which is understandable. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, but, you know... If you travel at the slowest speed, though, you can't get to where you're going in the amount of time you want to. So you yeah. may as well just, you know, take a bus, Yeah, I guess. So um, the buckle tracks are a big issue. Um, now, there is something really interesting about this episode. Um, it is the first occurrence where Thomas seems to be afraid of being replaced. Mm, yeah. Uh, in Thomas and Bertie... He's just sort of bragging about how good railways are. Mm. But this is the first time Thomas seems to be generally concerned about losing his branch line um, to Bertie instead of Ryan, Stanley. Who else is there? Ashima. Ashima. These people don't come along until far, far later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but this is the first recurrence. Neville, Emily. Neville, Mm. Emily, yep, yep, yep. We're going to keep going here. But the big danger with Bertie is, unlike Thomas, he can go directly to people's front doors. Oh, yes. He can can take them directly to their homes, whereas Thomas is limited to the rails he has to travel on. But Thomas can carry more and be faster. That's true. 
Um, he doesn't realise that, though. Each has their pro and cons. Mm. Yes. Um, now, my biggest takeaway from this episode, apart from it being very, very tightly filled, like, I feel it jumps between each scene a little bit too quickly and sharply. And, and the reason why is because they've merged two magazine stories together into one and they haven't done it that well, I'd say. Mm, mm. I'd say it is a much better version than Better Late Than Ever. I would agree with you, although there is someone here who would disagree with you. <coughs> nah, Better Late Than Ever is the most important story of Series 2. Um, I say this because the Viaduct the viaduct, the viaduct, is a very important part of uh, the Northwestern Railway. Yes, and yes. We, and we see the continuity and uh, the impact of this episode all the way through the second half of series yes, but two. Yes, r- but right now, you're not talking really about Bear Late Than Ever. You're talking about the one-minute intro sequence that hasn't got much <laughs> happening in it but and it's, it's more important. of a train yeah it's it's an important thing it's important character development de- okay development. okay children children today. children as the oldest person here I need to tell you to stop okay mum <laughs> okay but if I were to okay, put a vi- <laughs> if I were to put a viaduct scene in this episode for you Denim specifically for you yeah then what would you think about it I think it'd be more interesting. <laughs> you just like the viaduct, don't That's well, why you like Thomas and the Magic Railroad. There's a viaduct <laughs> in it. It falls. It's a major part of the story. I just like tall bridges. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, you are quite tall. Mm. But yeah. he likes tall bridges because he can't hit his head on them as he walks under them. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah that's why I relate to Bulgy so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I feel like it's... A better version than Better Late Than Never because it is another Thomas Bertie uh, story. Um, it focuses on, you know, um, Bertie taking Thomas's passengers. It also focuses on Thomas being late. Mm-hmm. The only difference really is the buckled tracks mm. and the reason why Bertie now needs to take Thomas passengers. And... Bertie doesn't have something happen to him. Mm, Definitely. And another parallel between them, they both have got very interesting shots of Thomas entering and exiting the station. They do, yeah. Like, like I I notice a lot uh, about this with Series 3 is you have a lot wider shots than usual. Yeah, you do, which I think is visually... One of the most appealing things about this series. Yeah, you get to enter the interior of Knapford Station, which yes. they weren't able to do. Well, they did it in parts of the second, first and second season. Excuse yeah. me. But not in the way they're doing it in the third season. Yeah. Mm. But, like, I really feel it's it's very similar to Bear Late Than Never, but it's a lot better. I, 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 I like this episode, um, you know, for the fact of the story idea. However, it is way too much in that five-minute block. Okay, then. So, given all this information, Connor, what would you be giving it out of ten? Out of ten, I'd be giving it a six. I agree with you, actually. I'm going to give it a six as well. You know, it is a, a good episode. However, the writing about it just irks me. Mm. I, I feel like that I'm watching a bad sort of off ripped content some like movie that someone's need to cut up and put online mm. to make sure mm. they don't get copyright striked. Mm. 
I'm in the minority and contrary. I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, this is, you oh. know what this is? This is revenge. <laughs> yeah. Better late no, no, than no. never. <laughs> Better late than never aside. Okay. There's, I don't feel like there's a lot of new material in this episode. I get quite yeah. bored about it. Mm. It's nice. There's some nice shots, but that's all about it does for me. Right, right. So the exact same argument we use for Better Late Than Ever. It's got some nice shots, but that about does it for Parry and I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite interesting how this has gone full circle. Yeah, this is... This has been our character arc, guys. It has. <laughs> oh, this I've makes me... I've reached my downfall. <laughs> but anyway, have we all done our... Yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah, six, six, and three. Which is the lowest rating I believe we've ever had. Yeah, I feel like we need to put one out there. And it's coming from my favourite season as well, so... Yeah. Mm, interesting. So, moving on to our last episode. Yes, our last episode is another story which has been, or rather taken inspiration from... Magazine um, stories a magazine by story. It Yep, and it is called Thomas, Percy and the Dragon. One evening he was dozing happily in the shed, but Percy wanted to talk. Wake up, Thomas. Are you dreaming about the time you thought I was a ghost? Certainly not. Anyway, I was only pretending to be scared. I knew it was you, really. Percy went on teasing him. I hope the guard leaves the light on for you tonight. Why? asked Thomas. I quite like the dark. Oh, really? exclaimed Percy. I am surprised. I'd always thought you were afraid of the dark. I wonder why. Thomas decided to say nothing and went to sleep instead. What I love about that particular scene is Thomas is quite seedy-eyed at the start. He's Mm. like asleep and he's kind of mosey about it and then... He suddenly goes, why? I like the dark, and his eyes open straight up again. What I think is most interesting about that particular clip as well is it's a role reversal of future seasons, because from, I think it's about season six onwards, Percy's seen as the scaredy cat, and Thomas is seen as the one who's instigating his fears, whereas Uh, this is coming off the back of the ghost ghost train in the second season, in which Percy scares Thomas, and Thomas is the one who gets frightened away. But besides, I, I, I knew you were choking. Mm. Now, that little clip we played there, I love this episode beyond all belief, but that one clip mm. I love, except I get a little confused by it. And this is purely down to Michelangelo's narration mm. here, so I'll make sure I won't affect my score. But mm. Percy says, I hope the driver leaves a light on for you. Then Thomas goes, why? I quite like the dark. I thought you were afraid. Now, mm. the why is Thomas, but the I quite like the dark is said in what seems to be Percy's voice. It does. Yeah. I always thought it was Thomas. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but there was like a weird pause between why and then I quite like the dark, and mm. that always confused me as a child. I've, in fact, had to write a transcript of it here and then put little notes as to who says what. Mm. I thought quite a nice beating that was, you hear, I quite like the dark, and then you hear Percy go, oh, really? It's a bit of yeah. an accentuation up that kind of breaks yep. it to apart quite nicely. That's how I always saw it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just been that little nitpick there. It, it's it's just... That little niggle. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. We but, should get into the story of this episode. Yes, we should. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, the main conflict is about Thomas being frightened. Yes. But what... 
else happens is that Thomas is sent to the harbour to collect an unusual uh, bit of cargo, which turns out to be a Chinese dragon. Dun, 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 dun. That's actually Japanese, that little musical But But they play that. that. I know they play it in the TV show, but yeah. obviously someone forgot to do their cultural research. Okay, then, pedantic man. I know, right? <laughs> um, then there's a secondary story involving Percy, who's shunting some trucks, and it, when he's about to head off home, the yep. points get jammed, and the signalman says, the workmen will mend them in the morning. <laughs> and, and just a quick side note there, that signalman has the best fashion sense of any character. Oh, yeah. He has a wonderful suit. sweater. Yeah, a, yeah. Pu- a purple vest with a white T-shirt on underneath, and I think he's got the tweed cap as well. Yeah. You know, he's a very smart-looking man. He is. Thank uh, you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, what happens is that Thomas has finally picked up the Chinese dragon from the harbour. Mm. And in order for protection, because it is quite a weird, unusual shape, mm. um, uh, the workmen put lights around the dragon mm. so that way it's easily able to be seen. Yep. Thomas then passes Percy and there's smoke and steam you know, around mm. in the middle of the night mm. and then Percy looks up and just sees this roaring loud dragon mm. with all these lights around it. He's terrified. Mm. Um and then later, Thomas and B- B- Percy run into each other again with the dragon the end. Mm. Well, and also there's a little bit in there where Percy tries to explain what happens. Firstly, to Gordon, True. and he says, You're, you've been in the sun too long, Percy. Your dome has cracked. I have no time for puzzles. Yeah, but he says that line as a joke, but his face suggests that, you know, he's really not pleased with it at all. He's it's had just enough like, oh, come of Percy and he's had enough. jokes and his games. Whereas the other engines, they think it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. yeah. Look but, out, Percy, or the dragon may gobble you up. But, but the, the thing with Gordon is that, you know, he always just seems bothered by everything. Mm. Like, everything is, you know, a, a nuisance for him. It takes energy for him to even talk to someone that he, isn't praising he's, him. I've said this before on the podcast, but he's such a pompous so-and-so. He yeah. is. Yeah. He is. We need to wait till, I think it's Series 7 where we get Spencer. Is that Series 6? Seven. 7. 7, seven yeah. 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 Yeah, we need another pompous guy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting story. So it is a merger of two Andrew Brenner magazine um, episodes. Uh, and what are they called, Parry? So they are called Percy's Night Out and Percy and the Dragon. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm just imagining another version of what Percy's Night Out would be like. Yeah, well, in... in, in, in... Oh, okay, let's not go any further with that. Yeah, I'll just leave it there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hello, Daisy. (laughs) But, um, the... Like, this is a really interesting story. So Mm. much like Thomas Gets Bumped, it's a merge of two magazine stories. Hmm. I feel this one executes it much better. It does. It certainly yeah, yeah, does. 100% agree. And, like, they are both, you know, they actually seem to flow because one's about, you know, oh, you're afraid. No, I'm not. There's a dragon that's scaring me. It's it's just done so much better. Mm. Two and two go together really well. Yes. Yes. And it has got probably, I would argue, the most beautiful model in the show, being the Chinese dragon, especially when it's lit I would agree, yeah. It's one which has been readily associated with the show for years, and yet it only appears in this one episode. No, it actually appears later. Well, okay, in the 
model hang on when does it appear again season uh, 10 yes oh, okay right which is still a model series episode I, I, I don't count eight onwards you know that <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get to that one day mm. but it's also mentioned in series 23 which really surprised me in I uh, wish you were here Thomas is in China seeing some dragon boats mm. racing and um, he mentions the time that he scared Percy with the dragon but yeah. it, it, it's I really like that reference in series 23 because this is such a episode that is memorable except it is so different. Like mm. like I mean it's part of what is considered the classic series but I would say it stands on its own. Absolutely. I mean yeah. if you were going to introduce somebody to Thomas the Tank Engine and friends I reckon this would be a good place to start. It, it would. Yeah, definitely. Because it brings in it it, the ghost train story doesn't affect it. Mm. It's just going, oh, are you thinking about that time that I scared you? It's an extra layer. Yeah, it's just, you know, a little additive. wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say no more. Say no more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love doing this show. Um, but, you know, it, it's a really good episode. Um and, of course, it's got some custom music when mm. the dragon is actually approaching Oh, that's so sinister. Percy. I love that yeah. music. Some of the best music out there. Um, I know Mavis M actually has got um, a copy of it online um, of, like, the own little musical version mm. of it, um, which is... I, Mind-blowingly I, I, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I'm sort of at a loss for words about that music. But this episode in general, it is... Fantastic. And I've sort of done a bit of a white lie. I've Mm. mentioned plenty of times about how the very first episode that I saw was Rusty in the Boulder. I was having a haircut, Babies Are Us. That's not exactly true. Mm. Because uh, in the 90s, there was a TV show known as Miffy, I believe. Miffy, a little white rabbit. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't have the full context. And Mm. when my sister was growing up, what happened was my parents... Um, ripped off the TV using VHS recording technology, an mm. episode of Miffy, and then uh, this episode of Thomas came on. Mm. And then one day when I was, you know, just ju- just a wee little lad, mm. and I was watching some old shows that my sister used to watch, such as Miffy, I then got to watch this episode, and I cannot express how terrifying it is to have the dragon approach with this weird wavy VHS quality (laughs) waving the voice in and out halfway Mm. through the conversation Mm. it is one of the best things and it's probably my fondest memory of the show watching Thomas Percy and the dragon on VHS Mm. it's an amazing episode. I love it. Yeah, just on that note there, a lot of the episodes in season three I watched through those same means. It was my parents recording the episodes as they appeared on TV and then watching them over and over and over again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I had this on VHS and it was a memorable classic. Yeah, and, and it does stand on its own. And I, I'm sensing, y- 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 just, y- just slightly, okay. yes, the ratings. I'm sensing this might be getting a very high rating from all of us. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I'm sensing that as well, and I'm glad of it. Um, it is a story that seems to flow well. It is, you know, one of my personal favourites out there. It's got fantastic music, beautiful model. It's got some hilarious dialogue mm. between Thomas and Percy and... Mm. 
Gordon and Percy and so on. One of my favourite bits of dialogue in this episode is when Percy realises he's going to be in the yards for the evening. He asks the driver, where are you going? He goes, home, home for tea. tea. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, thanks then. Mm. And it's also got wonderful camera work. There's specifically yes. a shot where Percy is going uh, on the bridge over the valley with some red coaches. Mm. And he's going, you know, I, I, maybe I did imagine it. I hope I don't see the dragon yeah, again. And then the camera pans it down. Pans down oh. And you see Thomas pushing the dragon along. Mm. But, but I have got a question. Yeah. At the start of the episode, the Fat Controller sends Thomas to go get it. It's obviously sunny. Mm. You know, it's the middle of the day or... Early morning. He does specifically say, I want you to go to the harbour tonight. Ah, true. So yeah. be after his regular duties. Mm. Yep, good point. Mm. Then Thomas is at the harbour, he gets the dragon. Then mm. the next day, he's seen still pushing the dragon in the middle of the day. He took it to the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I mean, it's a little bit confusing mm. as to, you know, like, why is he pushing the dragon still? But it, it does provide for some... Brilliant foreshadowing mm. and extra mm. camera work. I love it. Mm. So for that reason, I'm going to be giving it a 10. Okay. A 10. Now, yeah. right, so I'm giving it a 9.5. Yeah. It's ever so close, and my reasoning is... I'm so, not arguing, it's yeah, fine. <laughs> some of the narration, it's like it hasn't come together all that well. Yeah. Yeah, so I think with just a little bit of touch-up in the script there, you would have the perfect episode, so... 10 from Connor, 9.5 from Parry. Yeah, Denim. I'd second that as well, Parry. I think yeah. this is going to be a 9 from me. Um, the camera work is beautiful. I think one mm. of my favourite shots in this whole episode, whilst it's so hard to choose, mm. I love the shot as the sun is going down and you see Henry passing by. Oh, quite that's beautiful. Yes. Yeah, that's only one of many. And I think the whole sequence with the Chinese dragon as well is beautiful beautifully done. Um, that reason, I give it a nine. So that's our highest rating for the season, I believe. Well, so far. it is our only second episode of season three. We've had two tens in this episode, though. Yes, we mm, have. We have. We have. And a three. And a three. Mm. So it's quite a range that we've covered today. It has been indeed. And we've got plenty more to come in our next episode of the Right on Track podcast. We will be... Uh, reviewing this time around Diesel next time around I beg your pardon yes. Diesel does it again Henry's Forest and the trouble with mud yes mm. it's quite an interesting lineup next quite eclectic yes much like we had today mm. this season is very eclectic and very left wing from what we've had so far and that's kind of one of the reasons I like it so much because there's so much variety and so much um Interesting story development as well. Mm. Yes, and unlike season two, it doesn't try to have a pattern with its episodes released, mm. it, and like that's why I don't complain about having such a broad range of these episodes. But yeah, like today has been a really good, you know, episode. We've mm. uh, what have we covered all together? So all together, we've covered Gordon and the Famous Visitor, Donald's Duck. Thomas gets bumped, and just before we did Thomas, Percy, and the dragon. Yes, yeah. indeed. So mm. we had, you know, one-off model for Truro. We had mm. run-off model for the dragon. Mm. Prob- one-off model of Gordon's Dome. Mm. Yes. And it- the duck, Dilly the duck. Yeah, Dilly <laughs> the duck. <laughs> Honestly, it is fantastic, this episode. But 
We wish to all see you uh, next time. If you want to reach out to us on our various social media, you can. Our Twitter is at OnTrackThomas. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash RightOnTrackThomasPodcast. Our Instagram is TTTTE underscore RightOnTrack. And you can find us on the SIN website at syn.org.au slash RightOnTrackThomas. And you can email us at gmail on uh, right on track thomas at gmail.com we're everywhere we are yeah. we're taking over the world bit by bit <laughs> you see Denham's got the most to remember there he does he, he's got three things he isn't wanting to share it with us no, uh, <laughs> but we, we should probably share things next time just to, I, you know, I think that's probably take the fair. burden off you and will probably give me some more breath yes. more breath but we hope to see you around next time I'm still Connor I'm still Parry I'm still Denham and this has been the Right on Track podcast See ya. Farewell.